Well, hey there. Welcome to Just to Be Nominated, a podcast about movies distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee, along with Bruce Miller, who is an entertainment reporter for multiple decades, also currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal, and Jared McNett, a reporter for the Globe Gazette in Mason City, Iowa. Most of the time, we pick five of our favorite films on a theme or a concept and go back and forth, hashing them all out. This time is going to be a little different since this very morning, the Academy announced their nominations and we have some thoughts. As always, you can check out the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies that we talked about and discover older episodes as well. Now, here it is. Our show kicks off after this short pause. The Academy sent me some information. Ooh. So if you'd like some, some factual stuff, I can share that as well. Well, absolutely. Movie is short for moving picture. This is just one fun fact of the Academies. It's not that funny, but close. <laughs> Do you know what the oldest of the movies that were released this year is? You mean the ones that are nominated? For best picture. Um, no. Trial of the Chicago Seven. It was released in September, and the newest one is The Father. It was released February 26th. Hmm. Huh. The rest fall in that bucket. Right. Three in December, two in November, two in February. So it bears out that feeling that all the best picture things are actually near the end of the year. Yeah. But what are the... Like when they say released, are they talking about festivals? Are they talking about no, when they hit the um, when they hit the streaming or theaters available for purchase? Because I know like Nomadland was available for purchase a few weeks before I think it yeah, went they don't count live. That. I think when they have to declare when they're doing it, that's when they consider it. It is really funny to me that um, like the uh, Academy still seems to have a little bit of like worry about you know like physical releases in theaters and stuff like that and they still try to prioritize some of that stuff when like there's just been versions of like studios gaming like whatever the time window is for forever they'll be like oh you know we we put it out in like two theaters so we're we're, we're we qualify for the academy awards no one has seen this movie outside of these two theaters but uh we we hit our threshold i know i mean well the music industry has been doing that for a little while too yeah with the They'll like, release a single, and then the next year it counts as the album, and then they'll save another one, and the other single will come out the third year. You think they've had three years on this one album? Yeah. yeah. Or what was it? I think like Prince, I don't know, 15 years ago, like had the Billboard, I think qualified him as having like the best-selling album of, of the month or week or something, basically because he also, he packaged it up and it went out with every single uh, like physical copy of the, the Guardian newspaper or something like that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like Look bundling of tickets with merch and uh, things like that is, they're having you a hard do. time. When they put it on Apple and you didn't even know, what was this thing on my phone? That, that somehow never got onto my phone. I don't know how, but it didn't. Really? You didn't get it? No. And I have an iPhone, but it never got on there. Oh, I had it. And I thought, well, how do I get rid of this? Yeah. I remember there was a little bit of like a cottage industry that popped up of all these explainers from, you know, Buzzfeed and wherever of, you know, how to remove, <laughs> how to remove this album, which I mean, it was a fine album. I'm not like, I'm not a YouTube super fan or uh, a hater, but that's definitely not the kind of thing that you want to just magically appear overnight in your phone. Right. No, I don't want Bono with me everywhere. Exactly. But yeah, so movies. Um, oh, Oscars. Yay! Yes. Hollywood's golden evening. Well, I guess we're here with, with Bruce Miller from the Sioux City Journal, and we got Jared McNett at the, the Mason City Globe Gazette. Hey, hey. What are some, uh, some first initial reactions that we got from, from it was, this rundown? It was shocking to see somebody that we've never heard in the mix for Best Director. Um, Which is Thomas Vinterberg, right? For uh, right. Drinking Buddies or Drinking... It's around... See, I have to even look it up. That shows you how bad this is. Another round. Another round. Another round. Yeah, and that had not been a name that grazed anybody's radar. It was going to be either uh, Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago 7 
or uh, Regina King for One Night in Miami, and they're not on the list. Yeah, that was one of the things I noted as well was uh, Regina King definitely got got slighted. It seems like the issues with representation uh, definitely kind of slid a little bit between Regina King missing out on a director nom and also Spike Lee not getting anything other than I think Terrence Blanchard is nominated for the score for Defy Bloods. And I know I was beating the drum early on about whether or not Defy Bloods was going to shake up some of the Oscar predictions. Uh, and that didn't happen. Real bummer. Well, and then in Best Picture, you didn't see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That was one that could have been in there. And One Night in Miami could have been in there, too. And I yeah, think so, they kept it at eight, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Which, which really annoys me. Like, if you're only going to use eight of the ten available slots, that either tells me that you don't think it was that good of a year for film if you couldn't find two more movies to believably go in that category, or you're just not trying to find two more movies to put in. It's either one or the other. Either you don't really have faith in the year that you just had, or you're just lazy. Yeah. Well, is there, I mean, Bruce might know because he got the, uh, you know, the Academy email, but is there like an arbitrary number that they cap it at? Like 10. The, the, 10. Well, no, yep. I know, but the, like, who is it that, that selects the the number of of spots they're going to have is it up to the number of votes that films get and if it doesn't meet some arbitrary number then it doesn't mm. get nominated? It be viable yeah yeah it's kind of like the Iowa caucuses you've got to get a oh, no or else you got to just kind of go to another room and sit with somebody else God. you you just said it's kind of like the Iowa caucuses and then I just had like death flashbacks Flashback, right? some kind of like rolling dice or a like an unopened pack of cards or whatever has to be like drawn very to similar. very simple yeah. um yeah yeah no, no Regina King which was a bummer uh and also I mean the thing that I think jumped out to most people was uh Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield both got supporting nominations as opposed to either one of them being identified as a leading actor in that film and there's some screwy thing about that where if you get more votes in a category, even though you're nominated in both, they put you in the one that you got the more votes in. So that's probably why Lakeith is in supporting actor and not actor. S something like that, I, I see that. And like, just on a base level, it, it is really laughable because then, you know, and this is maybe being a little bit pedantic, but so in that case, does that movie not have a leading actor in the minds of like the Academy voters? The Minds of the Academy, it just had a bunch of supporting actors and there's no one clear lead actor in that movie. It's, uh, you know, the Tony Awards have a problem with this all the time too, because you have to be above the title to be able to be considered a lead actor or actress. So they could have everybody in supporting if they really wanted to. That's where it's kind of screwy, but I guess these are the rules they make. It's yeah. where they, they can win. Of, of those two for that movie, uh, Kaluuya or Stanfield, who has a better chance to win if either of them does since they're going against each other and siphoning off some votes the, maybe. The front runner right now. He could win the whole thing. The bad thing is, is that it sucks some votes off from him with somebody from the same movie. And that's, that's a bad, bad situation. I was going to say that putting them in that, it, I mean, they're just going to cancel each other out in, in that category. Yeah. It's going to be. Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Although Lakeith Stanfield winning would be the most uh, best potential for a uh, great acceptance speech because it would probably be all over the place. What yes. happened? What was this? Yeah. Well, and I know wonderful. you guys are going to be so thrilled. Diane Warren got nominated. Yeah. That was the, at the yeah. absolute top of, <laughs> of the notes that I took. <laughs> she didn't get nominated for the monkey film. She got nominated for the Sophia Loren film, but hey, I'll take it. I think it's but like the 19th or 18th or 19th nomination she's got. The Monkey Film did get a nomination for Best Special Effects, I believe. Well, there you go. See, it was worth it. So one of the things that uh, I kind of brought me down a little bit was, you know, Borat did not get a Best Picture nomination. It didn't get... Um, Best, know, best actor. actor, which I think that, that was low on the totem pole of expectations for me, but I, I thought that could have easily gotten into that uh, the best picture, especially if they have two spots that they just kind of dumped. Um, Rudy Giuliani for best supporting actor. <laughs> right? He, he, yeah. he, he needs the win. It's been a tough couple of months. 
Yeah, for, for that movie, I think the, the best supporting actor would be Rudy Giuliani's belt. That was the... Yes. Like, <laughs> Um, and, and it didn't get song, although the Eurovision movie got, got nominated for song, but Wuhan flu didn't. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe that's, uh, it's too soon, too soon for Wuhan flu. You know, Bakalova, Bakalova did get nominated, which he did, yep. and in the right category. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so that could be in her favor. You know, that, that supporting actress group, I kept looking at, it, and I think, what are they trying to say? Because, um, I really think Glenn Close is going to pull it out. I really do. Even though she was in Hillbilly Elegy, and even though she's had like how many times up to bat and hasn't won, you look at it and you think, okay, they're not going to give it to the Borat girl because that's too soon. Yeah. And Olivia Coleman already won, so we're not going to give her two. Amanda Seyfried, come on. <laughs> you know? And then the grandma from Minari, it's Glenn Close's to lose. Mama, mama. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I think Minari, Minari's doing all right. Um, I mean, it's got, it's, it's up there in, it's got the Best Picture nomination. It's got you know, the, uh, what Steven Yeun is, is in for Best Actor. It's got, you know, Best Director. It's, it's coasting on a lot of momentum right now. And like you've said, Bruce, that the, uh, the grandmother is- The grandma is, I would, if I were voting, yeah. I'd vote for the grandma. But come on, we got to pay off some pipers here. We're not going to give her one of those Lifetime Achievement Oscars. The, uh, I like that the best the supporting right actors, I like that the best supporting actress category is a battle of grandmas versus daughters. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it could be, it'll, you know, the, the ones in the, the hot dresses will be coming and then there'll be the ones in the wraparound dresses like, uh, like uh, Meryl Streep always wears. Mm -hmm. So of those grandmas though, you, you think that it's uh, Glenn Close to lose, Bruce? The reason that kind of shot is like there, she's the only nomination. And yeah. break into that kind of a thing that says they, they think enough about you that you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. And this was not a category that needed a filler. You know, there were enough ones that could have figured in there. So I think it's, it's often like the Marissa Tomei, where you think, what is she doing in here? And then she wins it. So I think there's, there's a possibility there for Glenn Close to finally win that Oscar that she needs. I think there's that, but it's also isn't uh, Best Supporting Actress is always the first award that's given in the... Or Supporting Actor, it depends. Yeah, so that can usually set things off, at, you know, and establish a narrative over, is this going to be a, a wild night of, of Oscars, or is this going to be more of the same, everything is going to be exactly what people expect? And it seems like if Glenn Close wins, it will be definitely tipping into that pretty boring frame or if uh you know Eugene Yun ends up winning it's gonna be all bets are off if 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 she ends up winning I'll, I'll I have to do a deep dive now um is there any other precedent for someone winning uh an Oscar in a, the same year for the same movie where they also got uh a nomination for worst uh performance from the uh the Razzies because oh, yeah. because this is this would be one of the worst like reviewed movies to win anything at the Oscars I would have to think. And just to clarify you're talking about Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some people liked it. Uh apparently only 38% of people according to Metacritic. <laughs> But it, yeah, there have been ones though where you go, what is that? Um, if you may remember, Jack Palance won for that sequel to um, Legend of Curly's Gold. Yeah, and that wasn't considered a big picture. Yeah. But he was an old timer. They like to pay him off. Here he is. It also gave us one of the most memorable awards segments of him doing the push ups. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the that. And uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is another one where, yeah, the, the supporting actor, actress is where you get a bunch of wild cards. And I think this year, I'm... It's wild. Yeah. My, I, I would love for like Glenn Close and uh, Eugene Yun to cancel each other out maybe and, and pave a way for Maria Bakalova. That would be 
just the perfect way to cap <laughs> cap that year. <laughs> so, Bruce, you mentioned Leslie Odom Jr. earlier. You think he's kind of a lock for supporting no, actor? He he was before we saw Daniel Kaluuya. And then Daniel Kaluuya had it going for him. But then they brought in Lakeith Stanfield. So who knows? But he also has a nomination for Best Song. And if they don't give him one, they could give him the other one. Because yeah. song, there's no song in there that you go, oh, my God, that's the best song of all. There aren't. I mean, I don't even know if I can tell you what the songs are. Even yeah, there, wasn't, there aren't. wasn't anything that was really iconic that jumped out from the list this year. No. No, yeah, you, no, you no. Some big names. Her is in there. Leslie Odom, Diane Warren. In the scoring ones, we have you know Trent Reznor and, and Atticus Ross twice. So they will have some of those names. You know, yeah. usually there's like a Lady Gaga in there somewhere. But you want a little piece of information about Leslie Odom Jr. He is oh the fifth person and first man to receive acting and song nominations for the same film. The last person to do this was Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. Oh. And then Lady Gaga for As Far As Born. And Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Now, the first person to have nominations in both categories, but for different films, was Barbara Streisand. So there's okay. like a little trivia. The Academy yeah. really knows how to, how to fill these, these, these email yeah. blasts with some... <laughs> gets and figures this out, you know? Now, one of the surprises oh. in supporting actor was we didn't see Chadwick Boseman getting a supporting actor nomination. And that was kind of a thought, is that he would get two nominations for his last shot. And uh, by the way, speaking of uh, Best Supporting Actor, uh, shout out to the one person I think we haven't mentioned now, which is uh, Paul Racy for uh, Sound of Metal, which feels a little bit out of nowhere, but it's really cool since that guy's like been in 10 movies since the 80s, is in his 70s and his biggest credit in a, something before this is like a Parks and Rec appearance and a appearance in the FX show Baskets. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That was one, the Sound of Metal, like when I was kind of making a mental list of winners and losers, it felt like Netflix took a bit of a hit, but Amazon really soared uh, with Sound of Metal picking up so much stuff. Yeah, and Sound of Metal did really well for, um, in a lot of categories, which was surprising. Um, the real trick though, is if you get a directing nomination, you really kind of need a directing nomination to win Best Picture. Now, this isn't always true because Argo won. Yeah. But there was that kind of whole thing about Ben was getting screwed over by the Academy because he wasn't nominated. So people thought that maybe they were throwing that vote to Argo because he didn't get nominated. But now for directing, Mank is in there and Mank did the best of all. They had 10 nominations, but really it's going home with those ones that are in earlier ceremonies. Yeah, not going to be. Win I don't think it'll win Best Picture at all. And um, Minari got a Best Directing one. Nomadland did, and Promising Young Woman. So I really think those four, and then another round, which is so off the beam that it isn't even in the Best Picture nomination, but it is for Best Foreign Language Film. So um, those are the four you got to look at as Best Picture. Yeah. It's either Bank Minari, Nomadland, or Promising Young Woman. Yeah, I expect uh, if if Fincher ends up doing the same thing for the Oscars that he did for the Golden Globes, he's going to be drinking a lot of shots. So well, I think didn't his dad not get nominated? Yeah. Wasn't that getting passed over for that had to probably be the thing that hurt him the most was his dad not getting a screenplay nomination. Um, yeah, I think that's why he did it. He wanted yeah. dad to have that attention, and then sorry. Yep, it didn't get an editing nomination either. Yeah, I'm a. But that's okay because it needed more editing. Yeah, it's a. Uh, don't tell that to Fincher. <laughs> you, spent... <laughs> you you have to tell me that you fell asleep at some point during the course of watching that. I I've watched it twice, and I, at no point did I ever really feel. I, I didn't. You didn't. No, no. Did you doze a little bit? Yes, he did. Oh See, come on. <laughs> <laughs> for the listener at home jared jared definitely bobbled his head a little bit as if to say shamefully yes in fact i did there i nodded off a little bit when they're all just talking at each other you go oh i might be tapping out here for a minute just so long as it wasn't uh during any of the upton sinclair stuff that you you took a little nap jared because then you know you wouldn't really be a man of the people at that point 
No, no, I was I was wide awake at that, those points, and then there I we faded off into sleep again. <laughs> um, with uh, with how many Oscar nominations it does have, it does feel like we might end up being right with the call that uh, Mank has a big potential to be like an Irishman type thing for this year, where it just has a bunch of nominations, and then in like the you know the spiciest categories, it just goes up in flames and doesn't do anything. Yeah, you know, it's one of those ones where it could get best sets because, come on, they did the, they did everything from those days. Yeah. And black and white photography was good, but I don't think it's going to win because there are other ones that are better and they're in color. Um, Mank is, here's some more trivia for you, is the seventh black and white film to be nominated for costume design and the 17th for cinematography since they divided those categories or put those categories into one. Um, the last costume design winner in black and white was the artist in 2011. Oh, God. Photography one was, you remember this, the lighthouse last year. I never want to have to think about the artist ever again. Yep. Yeah. The lighthouse, which is in the, I uh, like the artist. Don't say that, Jared. Come oh, on. No, the artist is no. fine. No, the artist no, it's is not. fine. No, it's not. Fine. No, it's not. You don't have to say that. It's perfectly like fine. Dog? You like the dog. You had to. That dog is probably dead by now. He is dead. He is dead. Oh, God. <laughs> well, come on. You can't last forever, you know? No, no, no. What you need uh, to do is go back and, I mean, you might really like, uh, what was the actor's name? Um, Dardane? Um, the one who won? Yeah, for the artist. Uh, that guy. Who, he's been in like a ton of stuff before that. He was in was it OSS one seventeen. He was in he was in a bunch of uh, like French movies that were these kind of like madcap uh, like spy parody things that were fantastic. Um, that are there's I think two of them. OSS seventeen I believe is the the title of uh, of that series and yeah, but that's neither here nor there. The one of the things that kind of I wanted to point out was the Golden Globes. They gave awards to Rosamund Pike, Jodie Foster, and Borat for best for one of their two best picture categories. And then none of those ended up coming through as even nominations for those films. Which is is that more of a a nail in the coffin of the Golden Globes? Because, I mean, like, Rosamund Pike and Jodie Foster both won for, you know, big, big categories. And yeah, they love her. That's why, they, why she won. They do. But to have your finger that far off the pulse where the Golden Globes gives her the award and the Oscars can't even put her in the top five? Maybe it's a bad movie. It, the Mauritanian... <laughs> Did it even get a single any nomination? There. <laughs> did did the Mortanian get a single award? No, no I don't see uh, Yeah, that's have been too late. You know where they say, "Oh, we're not going to look at that," but it was probably included in the um, in the list, but it just didn't make the cut. Two for uh, two for Tenet. By the way, I'm glad to. I'm glad Chris. Yeah, and that, if that had been released closer to Oscar time, it probably would have been filling all those technical categories. Yeah, so I'm, glad, I'm glad Chris. I was going to say, I'm glad Christopher Nolan uh, put that movie out, lost however much money to get two nominations. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah. And in doing so, kind of, you know, killed off the idea of putting movies in theaters. Yep. Um, he walked, so eventually James Bond can can run. <laughs> yeah, they're they're building up for next year. Uh, one thing I was looking at, um, speaking of like uh, the acting categories again, we were talking about like Jodie Foster and Rosamund Pike for for Best Actress. I'm looking at like that category again, and there doesn't seem to be a big surprise to me who's in that category based on just what we've seen so far. <laughs> And yet I feel even less certain of who might actually win now. Um, like thinking even more about it, why couldn't um, Carrie Mulligan like sneak a win when you've got like two actresses as big as like Viola Davis and uh, Frances McDormand going head to head? 
they both have won. So that automatically gives them a let's cut them out. Um, mm -hmm. And Carrie Mulligan, they are putting on a campaign like you can't believe for her. And it says it was nominated for best picture, was nominated for best director. That could be a sneaker. That could be one that you'll say, oh, wait a minute. And then here's payback time. They give it to Carrie Mulligan because they're not going to give it best picture. Mm -hmm. And I think Frances McDormand kind of has pulled herself out of the race. She hasn't done any of these things. She's not going to these award ceremonies. She's fine with not getting the Oscar for Best Actress. So, but I think Andra Day could be one that really slips in there. I really, she was wonderful. The movie wasn't necessarily, but again, I think she's one of the few, maybe she's the only nominee from her film. That's another thing. You got to look at it. Yep. And yeah. it's also, I know, I mean, obviously people in the Academy get screeners or are given access online to screeners and such. But, um, you know, the United States first Billie Holiday has since the Golden Globes actually come out on streaming. So getting that's going to push a little bit more of the conversation of her as more people see it. Whereas yeah. I think Promising Young Woman is still, you know, 20 bucks or something to rent, I believe. So, uh, Bruce, you think there's a good chance that uh, United States versus Billie Holiday could be uh, this year's uh, Judy? It could, it could, it really could. Um, and I think the, you know, people aren't, did you kids see, did you see uh, Promising Young Woman? No. I still need to. Okay, just when you watch it, the ending is unsettling. And I think that really could hurt it um, because it doesn't wrap up in a way where you go, wait a minute here, you know? And I think it's a talker, but it's one of those things where you maybe don't want it to win because mm -hmm. of the ending. I know that sounds really strange. And she's wonderful. She's really good. She deserves to win. She's been nominated before. But I, you know, if they're going to go happy, they're not picking that. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, Andrew Day, I like. I really do. I think Viola Davis's time has fallen. I really think because she hasn't won some of these precursor awards, I think they're all kind of thinking, okay, Chadwick's going to win for that movie. And Viola's already won. She, and she has some kind of, with this uh, nomination, here I give you some more crap, um, she becomes like the most nominated actress of color. So she does, she's getting something, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a monumental kind of thing for her. But I don't know that, I think she's going to be overlooked because as much as there are, she, it's a splashy, great performance, one of her best, but she's always good. Yeah, And I think they say she won an Oscar already. We're going to put the attention on Chadwick. And then that leaves who? Okay. So we've already crossed out Frances McDormand. And I think that, uh, um, what is her name? Vanessa Kirby? No chance at all. So it's down to, in my mind, um, Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Day. I will say, I mean, Vanessa Kirby, her performance in that film is great, but... I mean, it is, that, that is a, a tough, tough sit of, of a film. Um, but yeah, but I, I agree. I don't think that she's necessarily in, in the running for that. And you talk about like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That's also pretty high up in the running, I think, for costume and makeup hairstyling. There's like, you know, further down the list, uh, and you know, awards where that's year. got a good chance. Last year, Brad Pitt, and I think it was production design, one for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. That's it. And if we give Chadwick something and then you pick up one of those craft categories, that's it for Ma Rainey. Yep. And it didn't get nominated for Best Picture, didn't get nominated for Best Director. I think that's kind of where it sits. How do we feel about some of the, like the real X factors when it comes to the general Oscar pool stuff like uh, documentary feature uh, I know Dick Johnson is dead your beloved Dick Johnson is dead didn't make the cut and neither Bruce, did uh, Dick Johnson Boy is State. dead is dead Boy State I thought was going to get in there yeah you were you've been talking about Boy State for Love six Boy months State. yeah and they have spent a ton of money advertising Boy State and nothing mm -hmm. um, I think time has a real good shot but those are always the ones where you, you know, you pick one and you go, hmm, 
should I have picked that one? Because that's how you lose the Oscar pools is no. you pick, it's always in those categories because they're just weird. I think my occupant, octopus teacher has a good shot because they've talked about that a lot. But time is the one I keep hearing the most about. Crip Camp is also really, yeah. really good. Yeah, and that usually is one that would win really well in, in the short subject yeah. category, needless to say. But that's one, Crip Camp, like the tone that they managed to hit with that, where, I mean, it wasn't, it, it was empowering without being saccharine, and it wasn't, it, it never felt exploitive. And yeah, it was a, a sincere, yeah, it you know, was a wonderful great... look into that. Yeah, into this, you know, part of history that people really completely neglect, I think, when it comes to history, history books. And I look at the short subject list, I can't tell you a single one of them what they are. I can't. Do you think that Thomas Vinterberg getting the the director nomination for another round is that pretty much got him locked for that best helped. international film? Yeah, I think that I think so. Go ahead, Which, Jared, I, I was going to say I, I think the same, and I do wonder if going forward, like um, one of those spots every year for uh, best director is just going to go to like the someone in the international feature film uh, category because obviously that happened last year too with uh with parasite um so I'm, I'm curious to see if in future years they do a similar thing maybe not every year but every other year or something like that where one of the best director nominations is just a lot for someone in that uh, international film category that'd be nice i think that'd be a good thing mm -hmm. um yeah and again you look at that list the ones that they were suggesting were going to be in the list aren't on the list the man who sold his skin, I've never heard of that. It's an opportunity to, to expand your horizons, Bruce. I have an opportunity to see some films I didn't see this year. Yes. So there we are. But yeah, it's, that's kind of interesting. It's just. Um, Chris, you, may, uh, you mentioned a second ago with Crip Camp that it, um, you know, it, it pulled off the very able task of not feeling um, saccharine or exploitative in any way and I was looking at like all the nominations uh, that the uh, the father ended up getting and I'm wondering if you know how back in the day like uh, one of the hacks for getting a lot of uh, the like cheat codes for getting a bunch of nominations was like um, movies with like actors portraying someone who has some kind of like mental disability is the hack now to like portray someone with like memory loss or dementia or Alzheimer's because like the father got all these nominations. Still, Alice got all those nominations a couple of years ago and won. Like, it seems like now that's the new, like, hack for, like, having some kind of, like, disability is you have to, if you play someone with memory loss, you, you might get a bunch of nominations if it's a prestige movie. I mean, I, yeah, I think the, the father is the, the example for that this year. Mm -hmm. But that's, I mean, I feel like the father is below Mank in the got a whole bunch of nominations, but isn't going to walk away with anything. Yeah, yeah, it could be your Irishman. There could be your Irishman right there. Yeah. But, I mean, The Father, I, I don't really have... I'm sure that I'll get around to seeing it at some point, but I am in no rush at all. Like, there's way more stuff that I would like to get into my eyeballs before, before I watch that. So. Some of those are hard to watch because it's, like, too much reality. I don't want to face this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I sometimes I just want to be entertained. That's all. Yeah. Well, we got, you know, the Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out uh, <laughs> this weekend. So you want entertainment. There you go. I've seen a couple of clips from that, too. It's, it's very much like a movie that they weren't releasing as a movie. It's yeah. six hours. And so you could easily see where it could be two part movie. Oh, but, boy. And it has real good production values. Um, by the way, Anthony Hopkins is the only nominee this year who was nominated last year. Good nice nice machine. What was he nominated for last year? I don't even remember now. Oh, two popes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Got to get so those that, shoes out there. I got the red slippers out of them. And I don't even know where they went. They're probably <laughs> gone somewhere. Anthony Hopkins has just been reinvigorated since he popped up in one of the Transformers movies. Since then, he's, you know, he's getting Oscar nominations again. He, you know, and I like him, but it seems like he plays the same character in every movie. 
I really get that feeling where it's like, you know, kind of addled, kind of, you know, you don't know if he's like up to something or not. I, I, it's nice that he got a nomination, but I don't care. And in that category for best actor, he'd be the last one on my, well, Gary Oldman too. Those two are, are you, down on the bottom for are you me. Saying yeah. like Anthony Hopkins is kind of becoming the, like the poor man's Christopher Plummer. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a niche. It's a it niche. Is. You find it and you play it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Christopher Plummer is someone who I don't, I mean, you know, the last, you know, a couple of years of his life, I, I don't think he slept, walked through anything. Um, you know, no, look at the one where he had to fill in for Kevin Spacey and one and I got an Oscar nomination. That was the yeah. one I was going to say. And then also oh. Knives Out, which is just Great. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if I were looking at that and you didn't have the Chadwick Boseman kind of specter hanging over this, because I think it's his. It's, you can't not give it to him. And if you didn't, there's something wrong with you. I really do. But if I were going to pick beyond that, I would really want Riz to win. Because I thought that was a beautiful performance that um, should be recognized. And I'm sure in other years it would be. It'd be the hands-down favorite to win. And he seems like someone who, he has a very long career ahead of him. Where he oh, yeah. is going to be, he's going to be, you know, kind of Matt Damon, you know, able to really balance, I think, big budget stuff that's coming his way. And these very well-selected indie pictures uh, that are gonna, you know, get him a lot of the, a lot of the awards. So, and yeah, I, he's, uh, it's not impossible for uh, him to be, we talked about the Grammys at the start of this, it's not impossible for him to be getting some Grammy nominations at some point, because he's also in an incredible uh, rap group that people should check out if they've never heard of them, uh, the Sweatshop Boys. That is true. Yeah. But he'd yeah. be my choice if, if I didn't have other things to consider. But you're not, you're not, um, you know, doing it just because he died. He was really, really, really good. I think if I were to get it, let's say he was still living and everything were the same, I maybe would have nominated him for best supporting actor instead of best actor. I think that kind of raised the stakes a little bit. And he would have been fine in that category because really Ma Rainey's Black Bottom isn't about the trumpet player. I was going to say, obviously, the last time that there was a, you know, a posthumous acting nomination, that was Heath Ledger. And then before that, it was a long, long while. Um, or no, 94, there was one. Um, I think the silly. The post yeah. I think still the only two, like, actors that have won posthumously are Ledger and Peter Finch, right? Is there another one that I'm missing? Yeah, he's the only one that, those are the two of one. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be if you were dead, they wouldn't give it to you. But then Peter Finch kind of broke through because, come on, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. That has to win. Yeah. Um, and then I think with Heath Ledger, that's another one of those performances. You go, oh, my God, this is like unbelievable. Even now, the other jokers that have come since reference what he did. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, Chadwick Boseman can't lose. If he does yeah. lose, they're they're really wrong. They really shouldn't. They shouldn't be accepting that kind of a situation. Yeah. No, that's not gonna. I, yeah, that, that that's one of the few. I think there's your absolute lock. locks. Yeah, that and I feel like Nomadland for best picture is more or less a lock. I would say director. I think she's a lock for best director. Mm -hmm. I don't know a picture could be, you know, this could be like those years when Life of Pi won, but didn't win best picture, you know, where they give the director to somebody else. Steven Spielberg lost um, for uh, Saving Private Ryan, but won the director award. So those are things where you go, maybe if they really wanted to slide in there with a different one for best picture, that's still open. But I think best director, it's a done deal. And the same with Chadwick Boseman, done deal. When when Parasite won, it was up against 1917. And it seemed like that was the one that was kind of the lock. And then it got bumped. And, and you we'll had one time in Hollywood, too, where people go, hmm, Quentin Tarantino's never won Best Picture. Here might be our opportunity. Well, here's a, uh, here's a random out of the blue 
question. Who do you think the in memoriam segment is going to leave out and everyone's going to get upset about? Ooh, it's going to, it has to be, cause like, you know, like with the Grammys, it's always someone that's more of like an underground person. A lot of times it seems like, so it'll be like some character actor that everybody loves, but um, just doesn't get the, get on the uh, in memoriam segment. It'll be somebody like that, a character actor type or yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, like Brian Dennehy is the one that jumps to mind as far as character actor, but I, f I mean, he, I don't know, they, they got to get him in there. And let's see, John Saxon is maybe not going to make the cut, but you feel like there isn't a real like John Saxon hive to, to get too upset about that. Oh, as, much as, as, as much as I love John Saxon. Um, I, yeah, I love John Saxon. Shout out. Uh, Wilford Brimley is going to make it in there, obviously. No, who? Yeah, it's going to be a character actor type, right, Bruce? It has to be. It's going to be the snub that everybody's mad about. Who gets the last spot? Usually that's the biggest star. Okay, the, the last spot. See, do they give it to Chadwick Boseman because he's big that night? But do they or is it going to be Kirk Douglas? Did oh. Kirk die this year? Was he in this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they like him. He could be the last one, unless somebody dies between now and then. What about Sean Connery? Does he have a chance to be the last one? Could. It'd be nice if, like, Alex Trebek makes the cut and it's just his, uh, like, his scene from Shortcuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah Kirk Douglas feels like a good pick to be last. Yeah, they'll have publicists and all those, and you think, why are they in here? Couldn't they be on the TV screen at home where you look it up? That's a fascinating thing is to see who's – Who's not going to get in the in memoriam? Tommy Lister is maybe going to be the one that people get upset about if if he doesn't make it. Debo from mm. Friday, like. Well, yeah, we'll have to see if there's any betting odds for. Uh, yeah, for the in memoriam segment. Terry you Jones know, maybe from Monty Python. Now nah, he'll he'll make it. He'll make it. In the uh, screenplay categories, that's usually where they'll come with one of those stray ones that was a big hit on the uh, festival circuit. Yeah. And we didn't have one like that this year. There wasn't really one where you go, hmm. Well, there like, was a surp surprise nomination. What was the, the tiger? White tiger. Uh, white tiger. The, have either of you seen that one? No. Yes. But I can't remember. Do you see how it hits? That, uh, is it First Cow? That was one that people thought might have been in there. And there's another one that I saw that's like First Cow. Mm -hmm. or, you know, fell in that same pool. And I thought they might make it in there, but this is like kind of rubber stamping what you see in the other categories. Yeah. Yeah. You think Sorkin's pretty much a lock for original screenplay? Well, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah could have some. The you know, coming. Emerald Fennell, because um, that's a way of giving that something too, if they want to give it more than one award. Promising you. Yeah. She could be one who could beat him. And oh, I would hate to see that. I would just, I would be so saddened if uh, a relative upstart. Yeah, so that's, it, it's hard to have a friend go down. Yeah, it would. You, you use the, the speed dial function on your phone to call him up and offer your condolences personally. <laughs> Such good pals. Yes. I, think so. I do think that uh, Chicago 7 will win. Because it's got to get something. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing. If you look at this with eight nominees, they usually all get something. It's very rare that, you know, you pull an Irishman and you have nothing. But they'll yeah. all get one of those awards somewhere. So that's where you'll find, like, I bet Best Sound is going to uh, Sound of Metal. It's just an mm, easy Of course. Easy yeah. So yeah. that'll be their one. Mank is going to get production design and maybe costumes or something, maybe even cinematography. Well, the costumes uh, is one that I think has a really good shot of going to um, Ma Rainey. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you have uh, Nomadland we know is going to win something. I think it's definitely going to win Best Director and it could win Best Picture. Um, so um, before, before we jump on that, the, like when I was going through like the Gold Derby, like their... Uh, you know, experts, whatever, sure. all but a handful have Nomadland as the best picture winner. And of the ones that didn't have Nomadland, 
the other pick was Trial of the Chicago 7, which the fact that Trial of the Chicago 7 does not have a, a Best Director nomination makes me feel like that is a distant second. I, obviously, all the experts could be wrong. A lot, of, yep. a lot of those experts probably had 1917 as their pick, you know, last year. And we could, you know, see how, how things changed over the course of the, the ceremony. But it, it really feels like Nomadland hits all of the right sweet spots for to get that best picture, as well as the best director. It used to be, it had to be an epic. It had to be kind of a big sprawling thing, which would make 1917 seem really attractive. Ideal. Yeah. And this year, Mank would be the one that would have that kind of feel. But they brought in a lot of new voters who are willing to take a risk and give something like Parasite the big prize. And so it could be a surprise. It could be a real, but I think Nomadland ticks enough of those boxes. It was a, uh, a festival film. It's an independent director. It has the look of a, of a movie that has lasting quality. Um, so I think, I think it, it fits the, the mold really well. And I think it probably will win. But like I say, they're really putting a push on for Promising Young Woman. You watch. That's going to be a, a uh, cat fight there. We're going to see what happens. Now, I was looking at these other ones, okay, because I'm, I'm going with my theory that everybody will get something. Judas and the Black Messiah could be Best Supporting Actor, could be mu a music, you never know. Minari could be, or Minari, as um, uh, Jojo, or which Nick Jonas did today when he was pronouncing things. Minari. Oh, no. So I guess I don't know how to pronounce all these. He also gave his, his wife, Priyanka, she had to pronounce all these really tough things with all these big, long names. She had to do all of Borat's title. And then they must have had like 20 people who were nominated for Best Screenplay. And she read all of their names. And then he comes in with one and doesn't even say who the nominee was. That's a, that's a, that's a heady play by Nick. You got to work uh, smarter, not harder. Right. <laughs> right. But that could get cinematography. It could get music. It could get the grandma. The grandma could win. So that could be its little spot. And then um, the father could be your Irishman. I think that's probably it. But they all would get something in that scenario, including your friend Aaron Sarkin. My buddy. But now, and the other thing too is with two women in the best directing category, that's the first time that's happened ever. And the only woman to ever have won was- um, Catherine Bigelow. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, yeah. And that was how long ago? Like forever. 2009. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For 2010 ceremony, but yeah, 2009. So you can see where one of the women I think is, is a lock, but I really think it's Chloe. I really think she'll win. So between now and the ceremony, which is in, was it like, it's a, it's like a month from now, April. isn't it? April, April 25th. Um, I'm sure that we will check in sometime between now and then, but are there any awards ceremonies between now and then that could sway things? Screen Actors, Guild. Screen Actors Guild. That's where you're going to really see who is going to win in the acting categories. They have a best ensemble category that kind of is equal to their best picture. And I believe last year Parasite won for that. So that could give you a little tip off as to what they think the best picture could be. But I, you know, come on, Nomadland's not going to get best ensemble. It was like one person. Although he uh, couldn't even get a supporting actor nom for Straight Theron, so. Yeah, right. I, I will say to, to your point, at least this year a little bit with the Screen Actors Guild, obviously the awards haven't happened yet, but the nominations are already there. And the Five Bloods got a lot more love from the Screen Actors Guild than it did at the Oscars. And the same thing with uh, One Night in Miami too. A little bit of a discrepancy between those two this year. Finger if off you, the pulse. If you look at that, probably Trial of the Chicago 7 will win Best Ensemble because it has the most best actors in there. Yeah, so that's, that's a real good bellwether of some of the acting categories because the actors branch represents the largest branch in the Oscars. And so if they are pushing for something, more than likely, it's going to have a good shot at it. But there have been instances where somebody's won and then didn't win the Oscar. Yeah. So you can't, you can't say it definitely will happen, but if we see a sweep for Hillbilly Elegy, be ready. 
Oh boy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The, the only sweep I want for, for hillbilly elegy is for Sandman to come out and just, you know, brush it off the Apollo stage. That's the only sweep I want. <laughs> You're bad. You're bad. I am bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as bad as the hillbilly elegy though. So oh, yeah. shots fired. <laughs> So yeah, we will um, we will check in again after the the Screen Actors Guild you know does its its awards, and then uh, and then we'll come back after the Oscars. So what have you guys got on your calendars right now? Anything coming up? Well, I've got to see another round because I think I've missed that. I didn't realize it was that good. I uh, I've got uh, a little bit of catching up to do on uh, on Nick Cage actually because I didn't realize he had a new movie uh, come out where he's like it's basically Five Nights at uh, Freddy's or whatever but uh, where Nicolas Cage is battling evil animatronic critters at like a, uh, a entertainment restaurant um, so that's that's what I got to do I got to get uh, dive deeper into the Nick Cage filmography. Uh, I'm trying to find the name of it. Uh, Willie's Wonderland. It came out like a couple weeks ago, so I need to watch that. How about Chris? What are you looking for? Man, I don't even know. I'm probably, um, yeah, I think another round is one that I need to, to track down. I'll probably just rewatch Mank again, you know, so I can... Have a nap. No! <laughs> Stay awake! Okay. Tell me what I missed during that real talky part. I will. Well, you got to be more more specific than that, Bruce. I know. Well, there's how many talking <laughs> parts, right? Awesome, uh, Bruce. See something good. See something good. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So that is the episode. You can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies that we talked about, discover older episodes, and find ways to contact Bruce, Jared, and myself if you want. Next up, we will be back here in just a couple of weeks to factor the Screen Actors Guild Award winners into our respective Oscar algorithms. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show on whatever service it is that you're listening to us on now. The show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I am the one who records and edits it. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and are taking care of yourselves out there. As always, thank you so much for listening.